All right, well, like it's already been said, good morning. I'm really uh, thankful that we're able to be here today. And uh, it's always good to be with brothers and sisters here at InTown. And I know we have some visitors, and uh, you're a welcome guest. We're so thankful that you're here. And um, we know I know at least a few of you, and I don't know a couple of you. And so uh, that's always great to be able to meet some new people. And we're just, we feel so blessed that we're able to worship God together. And anytime we're able to meet other people who have the same desire and the same hope, um, that just encourages us, and so we're thankful for, for you guys for being here. I don't have a lesson that is going to be at all focused on what most people, are, I guess, are expecting today. Um, it's on every calendar that I've ever seen in my life that today's Easter, I think. And not that I've always noticed calendars when I was a kid, but when I started noticing days and all of that, I, I've always noticed that uh, there's one day, one Sunday a year that there's, it's, it's Easter Sunday. And usually this is when we think about Christ's death specifically and his resurrection and things like that. And that would not be a bad thing at all for us to do. So I'm not going to say that, that there's a reason behind that. It's just that's not the lesson that I have prepared. So, But what we are going to talk about is something that Jesus talked about right before he left. We're going to talk about the Spirit this morning. And we're actually not going to go to John 14 through 16 where Jesus really talks a lot about the Spirit. I realized as I was getting ready for the lesson that this probably needs to be two separate lessons, so we might actually talk about that sometime next month. Uh, might spend some time talking about John 14 through 16, and then in the book of Acts where we see the Spirit uh, really at work through many people in Acts. What I want to talk about this morning is just really one phrase that I know I hear a lot in conversations with people, and I'm not saying it's every day or even every conversation, but there are a lot of times that where people is talking about a big change in their life. Someone's talking about a big decision that's before them, and they just talk about being led by the Spirit. And I know that's something that I've, I've used that phrase, and I know I've heard a lot of other people use that. So I thought it might be good if we just take a look at that phrase this morning. So if you want to go ahead and open your Bibles to Galatians 5, we're going to be there. But we're also going to be in Romans 8 in a little bit. A couple of questions that I want us to ask just to get us started is, where, where does that idea come from, that you are going to be led by the Spirit or Spirit-led? You, I mean, you can use those, those phrases if they both mean the same thing. And is that something that, that we see in the Bible, and does that actually apply to the situations that, that we use it in most often? And I think the answer is that it is in the Bible, and I don't know if that's really the way we use that phrase in our situations today. That's something that's individual basis. I, I don't know when you use that, what you mean. But I hope that what we can do is we can just kind of see in Galatians and Romans, which these are the only two passages that, that I found this specific phrase to use, where, you know, so-and-so, you know, he's talking about something and to be led by the Spirit. These are the only two places I know this exists. So either A, what, what we need to do in our conversations when we use this phrase is we need to pick a different phrase if, we don't, if we're not meaning it the way that Paul is meaning it here. Or we just need to understand that what we mean is something a little different. So maybe what I need to desire is the same thing Paul means here when he talks about being led by the Spirit. So let's go ahead and start in Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to read verses 16 through 25. And what, I, what I'd like to do is, as we go through this is just pick out the things that he talks about when he mentions the Spirit. See what he is putting against the Spirit, like what is in opposition to the Spirit. And notice the different times that he uses uh, that phrase as well. Beginning in verse 16 in Galatians 5. 
But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, and and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So the first thing I want to point out when it comes to this the idea of the Spirit here in Galatians chapter 5 is that the Spirit is set against the flesh. The Spirit and the flesh are opposed to each other. So I, in, in my notes, what I did was I just went through and I highlighted every time he mentioned something that when he's talking about the Spirit. And then I highlighted everything he's talking about in a different color, uh, every, th- every time he's talking about the flesh. And one of the interesting things that I noticed is that he's not only talking about the flesh, but if you look at verse 17, excuse me, verse 18, he actually then talks about if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And that's really con- a confusing phrase, and I, I don't know if I can get into what all that might mean, because I would just be guessing a little bit. But really what I want to point out is that when we talk about the flesh, for these people that he's writing to, it's not just fleshly desires like that show itself in sin, although that's what he talks about as far as the, the works of the flesh. But there's also something at work within us when we seek to be righteous or seek to prove something within our flesh. That's not spiritual. That's not being of the spirit. So whether it's of the law, which Romans talks a lot about as far as what the law leads to and the law exposes our sin. So whether it's that or whether it's actual sin and everyone can see that it's, it's outward and it's things like sorcery or enmity, which I don't know the last time you saw sorcery uh, with anyone, but uh, enmity, strife, anger, uh, sensuality and impurity, it, all of those things, all of that is set against the spirit. But so is seeking to be righteous before God by myself. That's set against the spirit as well. So you have walk by the spirit, and you're not, you're not gratifying the desires of the flesh. Those are against each other. So you have the desires of the flesh. They're against the spirit. And the desires of the flesh are against the flesh. Against, uh, the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. They're opposed to each other. Along with many other times in the New Testament, verses 17 and 18 make it very clear that walking by the spirit is not simply a matter of passive surrender that I've given my life over to God, over to Christ, so therefore I am spirit-led. What it makes pretty clear is that it's a life of conflict. And the, the conflict is that the spirit is at work, but the flesh is at work. And if we're going to be led by the spirit, then we put away the desires of the flesh. That doesn't mean I've done that once for all, and I never have to worry about that. I have to walk by the Spirit now, which is a continual process. I have to keep in step with the Spirit. So there's this constant battle and combat with the old ways of the flesh that continue to tempt us and entice us. 
This is something that believers struggle with. This isn't just some, something that people who have never uh, heard of Christ or, you know, they don't even know. This is something that we know, even, especially when we're in Christ. We know this battle that, that is going on within us and sometimes even outwardly. So the flesh is, sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. So if I am of the spirit, if I'm being led by the spirit, then what I need to do is I need to put myself against the flesh. That's what Paul makes a pretty clear point here in Galatians 5. That's not all that we see here. I think another thing we see is that there actually seems to be a progression. And I don't usually do this, but I'm actually going to... Did you get a picture of this, Richard? Do what? Okay, okay, you say you don't even need it. Every Sunday, Richard takes a picture of this uh, just to keep track of the songs. But since he is the one leading the singing, he already has all the songs, so we're okay. Um, I want to show something that, that I found, and maybe this is pretty easy for all of you to see, but I thought it was at least interesting. So starting in Galatians 5, when you look at verse 16, you start here. You start with just the desires of the Spirit. And then what you actually wind up seeing is that the next thing that, that we find is that there's this idea of walking by the Spirit. Now, he does say that walking by the Spirit is the same as being led by the Spirit. But I do question, can I be led by the Spirit to start my walk? And I don't know if that's how it works. I think I start walking by the Spirit, putting away the flesh, and that way I'm now being led by the Spirit. So we're going to say that the next thing is that you walk by the Spirit. And that's very similar, so I'm just going to do a short little error there, to being led by the Spirit. But do you notice the next thing that he says? The next thing that he brings up, which he actually starts with this list later on in Galatians 5, where he starts in verse 22, the next thing is this fruit of the Spirit. So we have these various things, which I think are, I remember going through, whether it was vacation Bible school or whatever it was, that I always remember thinking, like, you have all these fruits, and I remember the grapes and apples being on, like, bulletin boards, and, like, the grapes were, were this kind of fruit, and, you know, and all that. But there's, like, one fruit. It is the fruit, and it's the all-encompassing fruit of the Spirit. Now, we see that there are various qualities to this fruit. But there's only one fruit of the Spirit. And it's, if it's at work within us because we're walking by the Spirit, because I've changed my desires, and it's not the flesh of the desires, it's the desires of the Spirit, then you know what? I just have one singular thing. And that is that what is being produced in my life, what people see, is the fruit of the Spirit. But then as you look at the end there, this is kind of interesting to me. He said that if I have those things that I am a person, verse 24, that have, are, that have belonged to Christ Jesus, and that I've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So I think it's actually a really cyclical thing. That if what I am producing is the fruit of the Spirit then I have redefined my desires to where now the desire is producing more spirit within me and actually around me. Um, and I just think that's a very healthy way for us to look at this. That we start with, i got to change my desires. If I'm ever going to be led by the spirit, which is our focus today, then I have to change my desires. I can't be the, have the desires of the flesh at work within me. So I put those away and I, and I put on the desires of the spirit. Well, what do I do? How do I do that? Well, I have to start walking by the Spirit. So things like purity, things like holiness, 
things like uh, patience and, and being gentle with people. That, that needs to be at play. I need, I need to be showing that. I need to be walking in that. And in that way, I am also at the same time being led by the Spirit. God-like qualities and God-like actions have taken over my life, basically. And when I say taking over, I'm going to get into that in a second. I don't mean that I don't have control over that. It just means I seek His ways, so I walk in His ways. And that way I'm being led by the Spirit, so it's producing within me the fruit of the Spirit, which now has changed my whole desires again. And it continues this, this cycle. I never looked at that when I was a kid because for me it was all about Oh, well, I gotta work on this one quality. I gotta I gotta work on joy. How do you work on joy? How do you work on that? How do you work on love? I mean that, that's really hard. All those things that are the fruit of the spirit, seems like those are things that are produced because my walk is in the spirit, because I'm being led by the spirit. But also I do see that change within me. So now all the thing that is part of this nature of the spirit. Are, is also these qualities. So as that, as that is produced within me, then my very nature has changed. So I, I no longer have to necessarily worry like, well, hang on, do I have a, the fleshly nature or a spiritual nature now? Well, I've changed all of that. I've, I've kind of become a new creation. And that's exactly in Romans, the way that Paul describes it. He describes this as being a new creature. So somebody that has put to death the flesh and sin and those passions. And now we've been raised to walk in newness of life. So there, there does seem to be a progression there. In the context of Galatians 5, to be led by the Spirit means that we walk by the Spirit. And it's referring to not committing the deeds of the flesh, but rather committing the, the deeds and bearing fruit of the Spirit. So th there's really no separating those things. If my life doesn't reflect the fruit of the Spirit then how can I ever say that I'm being led by the Spirit? And if I'm not putting to death the fleshly desires within me, how can I ever say that the Spirit is somehow within me producing that fruit? There's an additional emphasis on leadership when we look at this, though. We don't walk along with God as an equal. We walk in step behind Him. We follow Him as our lead, as our guide, as our sovereign and divine guide. But this is only true of those who belong in Christ, like I mentioned down in verse 24. So the first part is about not pursuing the desires of the flesh. And just you, you have to stop doing what you want. But rather, you pursue, you pursue the de desires of the Spirit. And then that, that kind of cleanses you. That removes the flesh from you. And just keep in mind what, what Peter said in Acts 2. That that's exactly what happens when you repent and you're baptized. That you're forgiven, which is a cleansing process. But also something is, is replaced. You know, if, you, if I'm going to remove this filth from me, what is then being put back in? Well, he says that, that you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I'm not saying that that's a once-for-all thing either. Like I said earlier, the, the first time I decide to put away the flesh, does that mean I'm now forever going to be led by the Spirit and I'm going to walk in the Spirit? Well, if you've ever done that, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know that that's not how it works. And if you can think back to the time where you decided that you were going to commit your life to Christ and you were going to repent and, and you were going to be baptized and you were going to be cleansed and be, be made new, well, what happened the next day? <laughs> did those desires of the flesh come back up? Well, maybe not the next day, I don't know, but they did for me. 
I was also in high school and well, that was just a daily thing for me. And it still is. I still have to put to death the deeds of the flesh daily and dedicate myself to walking by the Spirit. And it's only then that I can say that I'm led by the Spirit. So that's the first way I want to look at, at this is it from Galatians 5. And let's go ahead and go to Romans 8. And it's going to be pretty similar, but it's going to be a little different. And there's also more, more verses for us to read in Romans 8. So we're going to begin in Romans 8, and I want to begin in verse 1. And we're going to read down through verse 17 eventually. Romans 8, beginning in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through this, his Spirit who dwells in you. Let's stop there, and I, I want to point out that the first thing that we see about the Spirit here and I know he, does, he hasn't mentioned the phrase led by the Spirit yet. That's down to verse number uh, 14. But that's what, he's, that's what he's kind of leading to. He, he's getting to that point. But when it comes to being led by the Spirit, when it comes to being of the Spirit, the first thing I want to point out is that this produces life and peace. And we can see that most especially in verse 6. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. We only find life and peace through the Spirit of God. We don't find it through the law. We don't find it through the flesh. We don't find it through anything in this world. We only find it through, through God. So we see in the first three verses that, that those who are in Christ are set free. But we're not set free to walk the exact way we want to walk. Like we already said, we have to walk by the Spirit, according to the Spirit, in keeping with God. But we are free. We are free from this thing that led to death. We're free from flesh. We're free from this law of sin and death. We're free from the thing that was, was once weak. We're free and we are now in Christ, who has all power, who can provide this true life and can provide peace and freedom. Walking by the Spirit fulfills the righteous law of Christ, though. Did you notice that in verse 4? that in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There was this righteous requirement of the law. Well, I always thought that that was bloodshed. I always thought that that would be, that would be death. And, and as a Christian, I think, well, that's Christ. That was the righteous requirement of the law because 
there's, some, there's something required once I have sinned. But what does he say here? That it's fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. I do think that the righteous requirement of the law is Christ. But it's fulfilled in us, not just by saying, I believe. But what does he say here? By, it's those who, who live according to the spirit. We're accomplishing something very great when we are led by the Spirit and walking in the Spirit, when we've set our mind on the Spirit, we're fulfilling this awesome thing that is our purpose, which is that when Christ died on the cross, he did so so that we can actually be in him, so that he can be in us and we can walk in his footsteps. Living by the Spirit requires a change in our thinking. And that's probably the hardest part for me, is that if I live according to the flesh, I've set my mind on the things of the flesh. Well, that's all I know. All, all I knew grow, growing up was how to think fleshly because all I knew how to do was to live fleshly. But w- what we have to do is we have to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. And what that will produce in us is life and peace. So how do you do that? How do you set your mind on the things of the Spirit as opposed to the things of the flesh? I remember when I was a kid, I hated hearing all the times where where people would say, stand up, or maybe they were sitting down, whatever. But they would just say, it matters what, what you take in. It matters what you see and what you hear and all that stuff and who you're surrounding yourself with. And I thought, uh, like, okay, but nah, that, that can't be all it is. I'll tell you what, that's a big part of it. <laughs> and I don't, I'm not saying that because I think, oh, I'm now all old and wise. I don't think I'm either of those things. Um, Although I did ask my barber this last week if, not that I have one barber, I'm just saying, like, I asked the guy who went to cut my hair. Uh, I asked him this last week if, if it was about time to just shave the head, and he said, don't worry, you got a little bit more time. So I'm going to keep holding out. But I, so I'm not saying I'm all old and wise now or anything, but I will tell you that if I'm going to set my mind on things of the Spirit, then it does matter what I take in. It take, what I take in through all senses matters. I can't have my mind set on the Spirit and be surrounded by all fleshly things and find enjoyment in those things. So for instance, the music that I used to listen to, yeah, I have to watch out for some of that now. And I'm not saying I'm totally perfect with that, nor am I totally perfect with the movies I watch and the TV shows. I'm definitely not perfect in those things. But if my mind is set on the spirit, then I desire the things of the spirit. I don't find enjoyment and just pure bliss by sitting there and watching something that is filthy and listening to something that's filthy and going and being with friends that all they want to do is talk about filthy things and fleshly things. Those things matter. And it doesn't just matter because of perception. It matters because of what's at work within us. I used to think it was all about perception. What people see and what they see me involved in, that, that's what the most important thing is. And I realize that's not true. I'm not saying that doesn't matter at all, but what is most important is, am I being affected and am I, be, am I being changed and reverting back to this fleshly way of thinking, this fleshly desire? Is that stirring up within me again? And if so, then I have to make a radical change. To have the Spirit dwell in us, we must separate from the flesh and belong to Christ. And we see that in verses 9 through 11. Separating from the flesh goes back to Galatians and and what it means to belong to Christ does as well. That goes back to what we read in Galatians. So we must have answered this call to follow Christ and we must continue to walk in him. 
when those early apostles and disciples, when he said, come and follow me, if they followed him for a while, and then they turned back and they started doing what they used to do, actually, they did do that, didn't they? And what happened? Jesus went to him. This was after he was crucified. He went to him, and he asked them why they were going back and doing the same thing they had done. Feed my sheep. Tend to this. He went to Peter specifically, and he, and he made it very clear that, that he reverted back, not to something that was wrong, but to revert it back to what he used to do, what he used to be about. So be changed. And I think that's the same for us. I know it is. The Spirit only dwells in us if we believe in Christ. That's what, John, that's what Jesus says in John 7. But also, it goes back to what we mentioned in Acts 2. And I have to continually be doing this. Let's go on and let's read the, the rest of this section. Let's skip down to verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Spirit-led people are sons and daughters of God. And I can't say I'm a, I'm a son or daughter of God, that I've been born of God, if my life reflects that I'm still following my earthly ways or I'm just following what I want. That would be in rebellion to God. When, when you're younger, your parents make it very clear that if you don't do what I've told you to do, like you're in rebellion to me. They don't say, I, I never remember my mom saying, don't rebel against me. But I remember her making it very clear that I need to be doing what she told me to do. Because if not, that's not acceptable. And I'm not a representation of what she wants me to be. I'm not representing her the way that I need to. And it's the same with God. If I'm going to be a son of God, which I know that, that Christ is the son of God, but right here he says very clearly that all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God, sons and daughters of God. Well, I need to do the things that God has told me to do. Not just to reflect well on him, but to prove something about myself. That yes, I am seeking your authority as my father. That I'm going to walk in step with how you would have me to do. And I remember a time where I grew up and I thought that I didn't have to do that anymore. Not that I do, it, not that I do everything the way my mom would have me to do it. I can think for myself. But I remember a time where there, there were some real issues there. And I remember that she was right. <laughs> and not, not about every single thing, but for the most part, she was right. I'll tell you what, if, if I'm putting my trust in God, then I need to understand that the way he wants me to walk and live, it's right. And I can try to figure things out on my own, and I can go through that process. But I'm, I'm going to come back around to the understanding that, you know what, God's way is not just the way that works. It's the way that's right. So we're debtors to live by the Spirit, is what he says. He says that we're debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. We are debtors to the Spirit. It's what we owe because we are in Christ. We put to death the deeds of the body. We live by the Spirit. 
And what he actually says is that not only do we live by the Spirit, we find life in verse 13. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. What I think what we're seeing is that if I'm going to have a Spirit-led life, it redefines what I consider life. Like I find true life. I find a life that is worth living. And, and also we have, a, we have confidence in life to come. So we will continue to live on. That's only if we are walking in the Spirit and led by the Spirit. So to get back to our original question, what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? I think according to Paul's use of the phrase here and in Galatians, it means that we have the Spirit of God working in us so that we're involved in putting to death the sinful deeds of the body, but also we're continuing to pursue what God would have us to pursue, pursue the fruit of the Spirit, pursue holiness and everything that, that is godliness. In other words, to be led by the Spirit means that I'm growing into what God would have me to be. I'm growing into God's image. Not that I have, I'm going to be some divine being one day where I am an almighty or anything. But all the character of God is the same thing as the fruit of the Spirit. And so when I am being Spirit-led, my life is pursuing that and is reflecting that. And that doesn't mean that it's all outward. Just keep in mind the other things that you put to death the deeds of the flesh. The desires have changed. You've set your mind on something different now. In, pers- in, in, in Paul's understanding, it seems like instead of only being led by the Spirit, meaning that I don't know what to do with my life, and then all of a sudden I feel a push to do something, and that was the Spirit at work within me, and I'm being led by the Spirit to do this thing or that thing. It seems according to Paul in Galatians and Romans that really it has to do with me cleansing myself and pursuing the Spirit. And that somehow God is dwelling within me to help me in that, but also to almost secure me in that walk. But if I ever want to turn away and I want to start walking back the way I used to walk, well then I can do that. And I can't expect Christ to dwell in me. I can't expect the Spirit to dwell in me if what I'm going to do is be is be about the business of the flesh and sin. Our identity and our source of authority has changed because we're born of God now. All sons of God are involved in putting to death. I feel like I've said that 20 times, but it just keeps coming back up. But I'm only going to put to death the deeds of the body by the power of God. I can't just do that and say, I'm going to like, you know, muscle up here and really get rid of this terrible thing within me. I must lean on the Lord for that. We must lean on God for, the, for help in those things. And if, if, that, if that's what we mean when we say we're being led by the Spirit and we have the Spirit within us, then I think that's exactly what Paul has been talking about. That's what our life needs to look like. It's a process of cleansing and sanctification that's going on within us because we're sons and daughters of God. So that doesn't mean that the Spirit is not involved in decisions we make or life changes we go through, but... The idea of being spirit-led seems to be a little bit different than what we usually hear, or at least what I've heard some say. Instead of being some shocking thing that comes upon us, the spirit is guiding us and making decisions clear because our minds are set on him and our lives are focused on him. So the way we discern what we do or figure out what the best thing, course of action is, the way we do that is because we're seeking the spirit in things like purity and holiness and love and peace and patience. So anytime we're faced with a choice and we feel led by the Spirit, we need to understand that 
what's happening is we're, we're being led and guided by what is right and what God would have us to do. So it's interesting to me that at times when I've thought, well, this, this must be what's right, what God would have me to do. Sometimes that's something that just satisfies myself. And I can think of some conversations with people where they said, you know what, I, I was waiting for an answer from God. I was, I was just seeking to, to be led by the Spirit. And then all of a sudden, I, I, I came to a realization that I needed to do this and, and look at how it's helped me in my life. And I had this wonderful job now, and I'm like making all this money. And I just feel at peace now. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> And I'm not saying, I, mean, I want to be careful because with the story of Job we're going through, um, I want to be very careful that I don't say anything that makes it seem like I know what's going on in the, in the heavens or conversations with God. And I don't know any of that. But I will say that anytime we're seeking to please ourselves or something has really benefited ourselves in a worldly and fleshly way, that doesn't seem to match up with the fruit of the Spirit. But if what I'm seeking to do is to produce and grow all of these qualities that are not just parts of the Spirit, but are the fruit of the Spirit being within me, then yeah, I'm, I'm being led by the Spirit in that. So here's an example. Let's say that I have a family issue, and I don't know how to respond to it. And I just have no idea what to do, and uh, I realize that this is actually, I just, it just now hit me that I'm using this example, and this actually applies to a few of us in here right now. If what I'm seeking to do is be led by the Spirit in that, but what is all, all that's happening is that I'm just um, feeling better about what's happening and I'm not trying to seek God and what God would have me to do. And what I mean by that is not that everything is okay, but that like there's something that is substantial and something that is like for sure right and, and, and righteous and godly about this. If that's not the outcome I'm pursuing, then I need to be careful that I'm not confusing myself thinking I'm spirit-led or if what I'm really wanting is to figure out how am I going to pay my bills like I just don't I don't know how I'm going to do this and I feel like I'm being led by the spirit to do this or that and what it winds up doing is it winds up being that I am forced to spend more time away from my family and I'm forced to lie a little bit and I think well the spirit led me in that way oh no he didn't you led yourself. The, the desires of the flesh are still at work within you. Anytime well, what I'm seeking is to please myself, I can't say that I'm led by the Spirit. And sometimes in conversations that I have, at least with people, it seems like that's what's happened. They've talked about being led by the Spirit, but what's been produced is some sort of thing that just pleased themselves. Now, I will say, if what I delight in is exactly what God would have me to do, then okay, I am being pleased by these decisions I'm making. It is making me happier because I love the Lord and I love what he wants for me so much. And I love what is true and righteous so much that it's pleasing me to, to be led by the Spirit, to make those decisions and choices. But if that's not the case and that's not the Spirit leading me, that's me leading myself and just wanting to feel better about it. So what do we have to look forward to if we're led by the Spirit? Well, we walk by the Spirit. We have the fruit of the Spirit. We're sons and daughters of God. But what does that mean? Well, he says here towards the end of Romans 8, this section that we read in verses 15 through 17, that we are now heirs of God. It's a really interesting phrase if you, if you look at it. He says in verse 17, If children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. 
provided we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. So we have God's spirit now that continues to dwell, to dwell with us as we live and walk by the spirit. And one day we get to fully be with God. That's what we inherit. We inherit God. And that's just a beautiful thing to think about. We are an heir of God, not just because we get the great things that God has to offer, but we're an heir of God because one day we get him fully. We get to be with him. We get to be with him as he's sitting on his throne. So when I think of heaven and when I think of all the splendor and all the great things that I'll see one day, I need to understand that I don't know what my eyes are actually going to see, but I know that whatever I'm going to see is going to be God. And if that's what we're wanting, and we're wanting to be spirit-led like that, then one day we will inherit that. And there, there are some real, real practical uh, blessings that we can look forward to. I, I believe it when God says that, that there are no tears there. I believe that there's no sorrow there. I believe that he's revealed that there will be uh, kind of a, a bliss and be at peace and all of that. But it's only because God is on his throne. So if I have trusted myself to him in this life and I'm being led by his spirit and I'm walking in his spirit, then I will inherit a great thing. But if not, you know, there's other verses that we read that if I'm going to let in my life, let my flesh and my my desires rule, then that's going to inherit death for me one day. So I guess just to just to wrap up. Whenever we hear people talk about being led by the Spirit, we don't have to jump down their throat if we don't agree with what they're saying. But maybe it would be helpful to actually point them in the direction of, of at least Galatians or Romans and just say, hey, well, let's, let's just look at that, you know, and because I care about you and I just want to make sure that we're on the same page and not that you have to be on the same page as me, but this is what, this is what God has revealed and this is what it looks like to be led by the Spirit. And, and I hope that's what you're doing. But if... What we see in our own life as well is that I've felt like I've been led by the Spirit, but what's being produced is not something that is of the Spirit. Then I'm not being led by the Spirit. I'm being led by myself. I'm being led by the flesh still. So what I have to do is I have to cast out all of that, to put to death the deeds of the flesh, change my desires, set my mind on the Spirit, and then pursue Him totally. And in that way, God is at work within me, helping me to continue to walk in the Spirit. And one day... The fruit of the Spirit isn't just the qualities of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is actually God himself. And that's what we look forward to. And if you're here and you, you actually believe that you haven't done that, that you have not ever walked by the Spirit, you haven't ever put, put to death the deeds of the flesh, well, I know that we would love to help you with that. And I don't know what that means for you. I don't know exactly what's going on in, in hardly anybody's life in here because it's not like I talk to every one of you on a daily basis or anything. But I feel like I have a pretty good grasp with some of us, and I know that, I know that all of us could benefit from this. But if you're here and, and you know that you need to make some changes, well, my encouragement is simply to pursue God, to pray to him, to pursue good relationships with people, to have conversations with people where you can confess your sins, and they will help you as you strive to repent and put, put to death those deeds of the flesh and pursue God. And if you've never actually made that decision because you've never committed your life to Christ, you have never confessed him, that he is the son of God, that he is Lord. And you haven't, you haven't repented and been baptized. Well, we would like to help you with that. We don't have water here. I mean, that would be great if I could turn and say, here's water, you know, what hinders you or something. But we'll find water. That won't be a problem. That won't be a problem at all.
If we can pray for you or pray with you and help you in any way spiritually, won't you let us know as we stand and as we sing? Seven twenty-nine.